In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Today, here at Living Christ, is a very special day, a very exciting day. Uh, And not only because it's Mother's Day, and we are blessed to have many wonderful, godly mothers and women with us today, but today is also a special day because we have some very, very special people with us today. Um, I meant to put something in the bulletin last week. I I just forgot. Uh, I should have made an announcement so that you all could be excited this week as I am. But again, we have some very special people because today in our midst, we have some genuine, some certified, bona fide, real deal saints with us today. Uh, We are so honored. And so back here, we have Saint Anna. Anna, would you uh, wave to the congregation here? This is Saint Anna. We are so honored to have her with us. Over here, we have St. Scott and St. Kathy. Uh, We are honored by their presence today. Oh my goodness, how blessed we are. We have St. Marty and St. Alex, and I could go on and on and on. I don't have time to introduce all of our special people today because the truth is that all of us here today are saints. Each of you here today, baptized believer in Jesus, is a saint And you are a saint, not because I say so, or because a pope somewhere has deemed it to be true, or decreed it, but because God says so. Uh, That's how he sees you. You might not have woken up this morning and looked in the mirror and seen a saint. You might not look at some of the people in the pews next to you and think that they look very saintly, but that is who we are as God's people. We are saints. Uh, Jesus reminded us about this in our reading for today. Our reading, our gospel reading was from John 17. And if you go home this afternoon and flip through John 17, uh, what you'll see is that John 17 is actually one long prayer. It's come to be known amongst God's people as Jesus' high priestly prayer. It's a prayer that he is praying with the cross looming in the very near future. And Jesus is praying to his heavenly Father. And Jesus prays for a number of things. He prays for himself. Uh, He prays, actually at one point, for all believers throughout history. So it's pretty amazing. Go back and read it this week, John 17, and you'll see that the creator of the universe takes time before his death to pray for you. That's in there. But in our reading for today, Jesus is specifically praying for his 12 apostles, for the disciples. And he prays for a number of things for them, that they would be one. He prays that they would be guarded and protected. Uh, And then he prays this. Uh, This is what Jesus prays to God, his Father. He says, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Uh, So pretty obvious there that Jesus is praying for our sanctification But that's a pretty big churchy word that we don't use all of the time. So I wanted to talk about what does that mean? What is Jesus praying for when he prays that we as his people and his disciples would be sanctified? Well, the best way that I can think of to explain it is like this. To sanctify something simply means to make it holy. So if you're going to sanctify something, you make it holy. And someone who has been made holy, someone who is holy, is considered to be a saint. You follow with that? To sanctify something means you're making it holy. Someone who has been made holy is considered to be a saint. Uh, the, The truth is Jesus prays for this in this prayer today, but we know that God has kept this prayer, that all of us who believe in Jesus 
have been sanctified. We are holy, and so therefore we are his saints. And one of the reasons why we can be sure of this is because as God writes to the different churches uh, through the Apostle Paul, he'll often start those letters by writing to the saints in Colossae or to the saints in Galatia. Uh, all of God's children are saints. We are sanctified. We have been made holy. And my purpose for you today is, is to leave, have you leave here basking in the glow of that, to know and truly believe as you leave this place today, you are God's sanctified, holy saint. Uh, that's what I want you to leave here, knowing and believing without a doubt, rejoicing in that. But I do want to give you a word of warning uh, because I do not want any of you to go to a Mother's Day gathering today or a party later this week and to start introducing yourself as saint whatever. Um, <laughs> You might get some funny looks if you do that, so just be careful. Not that you shouldn't do it, but just know that even if you start talking to your friends about how holy you are, uh, you're going to have to answer some questions, right? Uh, you go out to brunch later this week and start sharing your holiness. They might ask you, you know, why do you think you're better than me? Or, or what makes you so perfect all of a sudden? Uh, but that's actually not what we mean when we use that word, when we call ourselves holy or when we refer to ourselves as saints. We are most definitely not saying that we are better than anyone or that we're above anyone or that we are in some way perfect. We're not saying that we've even earned that title or have deserved it. You see, quite simply, what it means to be holy, what it means to be sanctified, what it means to be a saint means that we have been set apart. Quite literally, that's what those words mean. They all have the same root, and they all mean to be set apart. Something that is holy has been set apart for a unique purpose, a special purpose. And as God's holy saints, we have been set apart to serve him. Uh, but let me give you a few examples that I can think of, of holy things. Maybe this will help you uh, understand it. And in the Old Testament, if you can remember, in the temple, the temple, God's house, was full of holy stuff. There were holy cups holy bowls, holy tables. And what made these things holy was not that they were necessarily the most expensive cups and bowls to have ever been created. It wasn't that they wouldn't eventually wear out and crack or, or rust. They would. They were made out of regular stuff. What made these things holy was that they were set apart. Uh, they were used for a special purpose, <clears throat> to worship God. And, and so that's what made them holy. It was that the, you, you just didn't eat your Cheerios out of this bowl. You didn't drink your coffee out of those cups. They were used to worship God. Excuse me. <coughs> uh, we could also say today that this is a holy piano. Uh, this piano is holy not because it's free from blemish or scratch. If you look closely, there's some uh, nicks and cuts here and there. This piano is holy not because it's the most expensive piano, although it looks expensive. Uh, it's not holy because it's the most beautiful piano to have ever been created, although we think it sounds awfully nice. But what makes this piano holy is that we have set it apart to worship God, that we have set this piano apart to bring praise to him, to enhance our worship. So we can call this piano a holy piano. I have one more example for you, and I need you to hear me out all the way to the end. Because I know as soon as I start talking, some of your eyes are going to glaze over. You're going to nod your head and you're going to say, okay, here he goes. My last example is that pastors are holy. I see it already. All right. Uh, let me explain what I mean here. Pastors are holy not because we're better than anyone else, 
Not because God looks at the job I'm doing today and smiles bigger than when he looks at your jobs. Uh, I, I am holy as a pastor not because I am perfect or without sin. That's not it at all. Uh, but I am a, a, a holy pastor because I have been set apart in my calling to serve God. I am here today not just to talk to you and chit-chat about the weather or sports or the Chicago Cubs, but I have been set apart this morning to speak to you as a pastor about Jesus, uh, to share with you the good news of Christ, to proclaim to you forgiveness in Jesus' name. Uh, and so to reflect that holiness, to reflect that set-apartness, sometimes pastors, uh, sometimes I will wear a white robe like this one. And again, I'm not wearing this so that when people walk in the door, they know who the boss is. That's not what it's about. I'm not wearing this today because I had a bad week and I want to, to be respected a little bit better. That's not it. Uh, I'm also not wearing this white robe because it reflects my inner purity and cleanliness and righteousness. That's not what this robe is about either. In fact, if I was pure and holy and righteous on my own, I wouldn't need to wear this robe. This robe is here to cover me, Peter, the sinner up, and it is to reflect the purity and the cleanliness and the righteousness of Jesus. Uh, pastors wear this robe sometimes. They don't have to, but when they do, it's to push the person out of the way so that you all and, and so that I might remember that I have a holy job today, that I am set apart this morning uh, not to talk to you about the weather or my opinions or my political views, but, but I have a holy job to proclaim Jesus. So I wear this robe. And, and actually, uh, this robe is called an alb, A-L-B, and any Christian in their service in the church can wear this robe. It's not just for pastors. And so in some churches, you might see that maybe the choir members wear white robes or a reader, the lector, might wear a robe or, or some churches, the communion assistants, uh, the helpers, they wear white robes. And again, that's just to remind them and the congregation that they are set apart that morning in their service for a holy job. They are there uh, not to just have fun, but they're there in the worship of God Almighty. Uh, so pastors are holy. But brothers and sisters, all of you are holy, not just pastors. Uh, all of you are saints. Not everyone is a pastor, but, but everyone has been set apart by God for special work. Everyone here today, believer in Jesus, has been set apart to serve him. I serve him by getting up here and proclaiming the good news of Jesus uh, publicly in front of you all, but, but you all are set apart to serve him in many ways. Some of you are set apart this morning as mothers, and it is your calling as a holy saint to reflect the grace and, and love of Jesus to your children. Uh, all of us have friends, and we're called set apart to love our friends and to serve our friends and to reflect God's love to our friends or to our co-workers or, or to our family members. All of us here today are saints. Again, not because we've earned that title or because we've deserved it or because we've uh, done a miracle that someone has deemed acceptable, but we are saints today, holy, set apart because Jesus earned that title for us. Because he died and he rose again and then he filled us with his spirit and then he set us apart in all sorts of different callings. Mine is a pastor. Yours might be as a grandparent or a parent or a friend or a mechanic or a lawyer or whatever the case may be. And he has called us to be different. <laughs> See, as, as saints, as holy saints, we, we do not live for ourselves anymore. We live for God. 
As God's holy saints, we, we don't follow the, the ways and the rules of this world. We aren't guided along by things like power or money or popularity. We are guided along and, and ruled by Jesus Christ. And we are called now to live holy lives. Now, that does not mean that we need to all go home, lock the doors, close the shades, stick our noses in a Bible, and just start praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That might be what we imagine the kinds of things that saints do. Uh, and, and saints do do that. We do that, right? We read our Bibles, we pray. But, but sometimes the holiest work that any of us can do is also the messiest work. <laughs> uh, today is Mother's Day. Mothers, when you were up at 2 a.m. and then 3 a.m. and then 4 a.m. changing a dirty diaper, that was holy work. <laughs> That was work that God set you apart to do, to show your child the love and the care of Jesus. Now, when you were changing that diaper at 3 a.m., you might not have been praising God, saying, thank you for giving me this holy work to do. (laughs) But God put a child in your life, and he called you to be that mother so that you could show that little baby his love. And maybe you didn't even recognize that that's what you're doing, and most definitely your child couldn't uh, recognize that at the time. But God had set you apart for that purpose. That's holy work. Holy work is what many of you did last Saturday for our summer supper as we fed a simple meal to hungry people. That's the kind of stuff that saints do. And that was holy work, not because it was some uh, five-star gourmet meal, although the food was good, uh, but that was holy work because there were hungry people that God placed in our lives and he had filled us up so abundantly and he called us to give it away. He set us apart to serve and give and love and reflect his kindness to the people in our lives. That was holy work. Uh, I, I, I feel blessed though and that when I think of a saint and when I picture people doing holy things, I feel like I have a lot of good examples. And when I picture a saint in my mind, I actually can think of a lot of you, many of you, uh, exemplify that, all of you, so, so wonderfully, uh, and, and that's great. But, but this week, as I was imagining a saint, there was one man in particular that kept on coming to mind uh, to me. I've, I've forgotten his name, so, so this morning we'll call him Ron. Uh, Ron was a part of a group at my vicarage congregation. Uh, it was a group called Saturday Class, and Saturday Class was a group of about 10 or 12 mentally handicapped adults. And they would meet every Saturday uh, for some time to learn about Jesus. These 10 or 12 adults would sing pray- say prayers, sing songs, hear Bible stories, do a craft. And for many of these uh, people, this was their only time to be in God's presence. Uh, they didn't have parents who taught them about Jesus. The facilities they lived in uh, weren't able to, to proclaim the good news of Christ. So for, for many of these adults, this was it. This was their worship. And uh, the, the people in this group, they love to sing. That's one of the things that they love to do, and they did it joyfully. And, um, and so they'd often begin their time in the sanctuary singing songs. And one of the songs they loved to sing, I remember, was This Little Light of Mine. You know that song, right? I'm going to let it shine, and there's actions to it, and they love to do the actions. Uh, Ron, though, took it one step uh, above that. Ron would bring with him every week a little LED electric candle. And while the rest of the group was singing their songs and doing the actions, Ron would be running around the sanctuary as fast as he could to let that light of Jesus shine. He wanted everyone to know about the light and the love of his Savior. And there was, there was one time that I heard about that he was making his way around the sanctuary, and when he got to the entrance to the doors, there, there just so happened to be a, a woman who walked in. And she was 
new to the church, had never been in before, needed to meet with the pastor, and was just looking for someone to give her directions. But as Ron came to her, he grabbed her by the arm and started to run with her around the sanctuary. And before this woman knew what was happening, here she was, shining the light of Jesus, loud and proud for everyone to see. And to me, uh, that was holy work. (laughs) That's what a saint looks like. That was someone, Ron, who was loved by Jesus, who had been called by him, gathered into God's family. Ron was someone that Jesus had died for. And now Ron had the blessing and the opportunity to serve his Savior. He was set apart to do that holy work. And brothers and sisters, so are you. You have been sanctified. You have been made holy. You are God's saint. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.